welcome to the second official recording of our first official <laughs> podcast. The uh, audio technician totally whipped it the first time, so we're going to try to do this again. On on the bright side, uh, since this is our second time, it should go all that smoother, right? Yeah, I don't. I mean, the last one we recorded in the evening, and pretty much before noon, I can't be held responsible for what I say. So okay. All right, so uh, this is a podcast um, primarily, though not exclusively, for the members uh, of the Gathering Church in Peterborough. Uh, my name is Ben Inglis. I'm here with my friend and pastor, uh, Alex Klusterman. Um, maybe to start off, uh, you could explain some of your reasoning uh, behind wanting to do a podcast uh, like this. Um, aren't there any number of, of thousands of resources people could turn to on the internet? Yeah, so there's 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 a couple questions there. Uh, why would we do this? And are there not other resources? Um, yes, there are other resources, and we hope to point people to those things. Uh, is is the question is kind of if John Piper is still alive, why do we need you? <laughs> right. And that's and that I is mean, the question that we all have to ask ourselves. Yeah, when every, we talk. every day. If John <laughs> Piper is still alive, why does the world need me. So the first thing is, uh, we appreciate all the resources that are made available to us through technology, uh, the faithful members of the body of Christ, and I certainly uh, make use of those resources and those people, and we should continue to. And part of what we will do through this, uh, book reviews, uh, etc., is pointing people towards those resources. So whatever we're doing here, it's not because we presume to be the world's best or authoritative voice on anything that we will discuss. But we do think there is a reason to do this. And part of that is that the Lord Jesus Christ, um, you know, told Peter to feed the sheep and to teach the sheep. And Paul told Timothy to set these things uh, before the church, namely the gospel and how it is applied to life. So we think uh, while there are certainly better, more gifted teachers and, and resources, that there is a value, similar to a family, um, in local, covenant, accountable uh, members of a church instructing one another and for shepherds to take responsibility over their flock. So, yes, there are good resources, and we will point people to them, but we think um, the local church still has value, kind of in the same way I was thinking about this, as a family does. I mean, I'm I'm... 32 and about as good father as you'd expect a 32-year-old man to be with a four-year-old and a two-year-old, which is to say not very good in many ways. And <clears throat> there are many better fathers out there and better mothers um, as well, if, if for no other reason than experience, you know, avoiding the pitfalls that we walk through. Well, I don't think that removes my responsibility as a parent towards my children to say, you know, there are better parents out there. Um, you know, there's, there's moms with more experience than Rebecca and there's dads with more experience than you and who have served Jesus longer and are more faithful. And I think that we have to still carry our load and bear that responsibility. And it's the same in the local church that mm -hmm. it's not just about who is the best and the brightest and the most gifted. It's that who are, who are your shepherds? You know, who are those who oversee your soul, who know what's going on in your life, who see the challenges and the, prom the problems and the sufferings that you face? I think about Paul um, when he called the Ephesian 
elders together and he said, you know, you know how I lived among you and you lived with them through tears and through trial and through suffering and, and all of these things, declaring to them the word of God in public and from house to house. And I think that the pattern for ministry is not, you know, um, pastors are not Google made flesh. And, and I think uh, there's a role for local embodied um, family members, you know, and, and ministry to happen from that place. So, yes, there's good resources. Uh, we hope you turn there. We would like to simply shepherd and feed our flock. The practical kind of impetus for this was a conversation I had with a, a member of our church in a small group setting. And they were several of them were asking just really practical questions, things that you will not talk about in a sermon week to week. And just we've been talking for a while about um, how we have very little opportunity for a lot of practical discussion. There's a lot of questions that people have that we have no way of addressing. So a big part of this is saying, look, we don't have another meeting time during the week for teaching. Um, it's difficult with a lot of young families and children. Mm -hmm. Let's still find a way to apply all of Christ to all of the lives of the members of our church. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit of the reason behind it. Yeah, so... The charge uh, has often been leveled at um, theological conservatives. Uh, we kind of enjoy hanging out in the clouds of, of doctrine, uh, but rarely actually give anything for people to kind of grab onto uh, as they head out to the door uh, for work. So it's, my question is twofold. Are there truth to these rumors? Uh, and as a theologically conservative church, are we kind of uh, reaching beyond our pay grade and assuming the role of theology, but assuming the role of theology has a use uh, beyond intellectual development? Well, I would say a couple things about that. Uh, one, that that charge certainly can be true. Uh, and, and there's a biblical category for teaching in such a way or relating to the word in such a way that fails to apply it to our lives. That's that's a real danger mm -hmm. in scripture. It, both Jesus um, and, and Paul do address. So I want to say on the one hand, let's talk about that ditch. Um, on the other hand, I would say maybe that's not the case. Maybe, maybe those accusations are not entirely true. Um, and that might be because people are not often trained, this is a generalization, but many people are not trained to connect theology to their life. Mm -hmm. So basically, it could be true that the word of God is not being applied. Mm -hmm. That's certainly a danger. Or it could be the case that the word of God is not seen as relevant for our daily lives, a kind of compartmentalization. So I, I was thinking of an analogy that, um, I, I think this is an analogy. I don't think this is a real story, but don't quote me on that. I'm going to um, quote you on. Don't quote me on most things that okay. we say in this room. <laughs> but uh, Charles Spurgeon tells a story about a young uh, man who had just preached, and he's asking Spurgeon for feedback, which, as an aside, that's a pretty bold thing to do, to ask the prince yeah. of preachers yeah. what he thinks. That was, a, that was a dangerous move. Yeah, that was, a, that was a dangerous move. And, you know, credit to that young man. He was, he was either extremely conceited and thought maybe he'll have something good to say. Yeah. Or uh, 
naive. In any case, he soon regretted it. Yeah, he soon regretted it because Charles Spurgeon, Lord bless him, said something to the effect of, look at this field. Apparently, they were walking by a field, a field of wheat. He said, young man, you gave the people a field of wheat when what they need is a loaf of bread. Mm -hmm. And this is true. I remember, you know, John Frame saying, essentially, theology is just the application of the word of God. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. How do we apply what is true about um, God, about ourselves, about this world uh, to our everyday lives? And how do we live that out? That is a role of theology. And this preacher, this young man, had not applied it. And, and people need something to eat. They need something to chew on. And there is certainly a temptation, especially, I mean, I fall into this ditch. As a young man, application is just hard. Mm-hmm. You know, the younger you are, the, the the more difficult application is. Paul himself uh, talks about this danger. Actually, when he talks about uh, false teaching, he describes false teachers in First and Second Timothy and their teaching extensively. One way he describes them uh, is that they engage in irreverent babble, which is a great phrase, uh, by the way. And this irreverent babble leads to more and more ungodliness, 2 Timothy 2, 15 to 16. In other words, it doesn't practically help people reflect Jesus more. It does the opposite. He says a similar thing in 1 Timothy 1, 3 to 4. Um, the false teaching is based on myths and genealogies, and he says it promotes speculations rather than stewardship from God by faith. In other words, this teaching encourages people to spend a lot of time thinking and talking about vain things and not actually becoming like Jesus. So it, is it possible to remain in the clouds? Yeah, that's a real danger. And that's a failure um, to apply the word of God and to see the word of God as uh, what it is. But there's also another thing that could be happening, and that is uh, the analogy I'll use is, you know, I remember when we were raising our girls, uh, Rebecca stopped me at several times from feeding them uh, certain sugary processed foods. And the reason was, look, if you give them those things that are so immediately gratifying, they will never want to eat their vegetables. It, it, they will never want what's actually good for them. And I think part of what we see today is that people are so used to, um, in an analogous way, eating sugar. And we're just just addicted to sugar, addicted to simple, quick answers of things we really want to hear that we all agree with anyways. We're not used to chewing through our food. Mm -hmm. You know, you eat vegetables, you don't put a, I mean, I don't, some people do, put a a carrot in your mouth and think that is by far the best thing I have ever tasted. You think, well, I don't know what you think, so I won't speculate. But (laughs) Let's talk about for a few minutes what we think as we eat a carrot. Would that yeah. be a profitable discussion, or would that be... Uh, Maybe just keep going on that. Yeah, we'll just keep okay. going. <laughs> but a carrot is better for you, you know, and a vegetable is better for you than a... Uh, Pop-tart. A Pop-tart, yeah. And But we really like Pop-tarts. And it's the same way with teaching, is that we like teaching uh, that may not be theologically accurate, that may not be true, and yet it makes us feel good, and it kind of affirms what we already think and believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just don't, when we hear sound theology, kind of like when we go back to eating vegetables, 
It just, we just don't like it. We don't like the weight, the seriousness, the responsibility it places upon us. I mean, look at Jesus' call to discipleship. It's just a very serious, weighty, uh, costly thing. It doesn't feel light, trivial, all of the things that we might naturally gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. So we just need to be aware of that as well. Mm -hmm. So the the title of our podcast is uh, On the Ground. Um, what happens in a church where theology just never hits the ground? And, and what are some symptoms that might indicate uh, we hold a theology like that? Mm -hmm. Well, in a church where the theology doesn't hit the ground, doesn't understand theology, for one. So the first thing we want to do is we want to eradicate any dichotomy between theology and living. And we don't want to just say, well, you have good theology, but bad application. We want to say, okay, there may be some true things that are being said, but it's not sound doctrine. And the reason we say that is the word for sound doctrine, sound literally means healthy. Mm -hmm. So when you read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, the definition I would give for sound doctrine is that which is not only in accordance with the gospel, but leads to godliness. Mm -hmm. It is healthy. Paul says to Timothy um, that he is a he will be a good servant of Christ Jesus if he teaches the church gospel doctrine. And he says, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine. So sound doctrine or true theology uh, always lands always lands because that's what it is it's it's what makes us healthy it's what trains us it's what nourishes us so in a church that is is not applying the gospel to all of life i would say the theology is wrong the first place i'd start mm -hmm. the second thing i would say is we've created an unhealthy view of theology and um, compartmentalizing it so we say the theology is uh, maybe something we have intellectual assent to. It's it's what my pastor says. But we need to realize that all of us are theologians. Everything we do is going to be done out of a place of what we think and believe and feel uh, and desire about God, about this world, about ourselves. In other words, everything we do is shaped by our theology. Mm -hmm. It's not whether we are theologians or who are the theologians. It's whether our theology is good and whether it is leading us to be more like Jesus or whether it is leading us away from him. Mm -hmm. So what are some symptoms in a church that has a, a compartmentalized view of theology? Well, the church is no longer being shaped by the word of God, and therefore it will, we will make a Jesus in our own image. This is the pole of all humans. The idolatrous pole is to make a God that looks like us. Mm -hmm. So on the ground, throwing that one in there. Yeah. Um, a church will take on the priorities and the personalities of its members and not necessarily Jesus. And they may be good things, but what you will have is glaring weaknesses in your church. So you may be the uh, more academically minded church and you gravitate towards, you know, I love studying historical theology and doing exegesis, and I love teaching, um, but you really neglect other aspects of being a disciple, perhaps caring for the poor, uh, perhaps the communal life that Jesus calls us to with one another. You might be really attracted towards 
community and, and relationships and people, and you're just not academically minded, and you don't really have a functional role of scripture in your life, and you will take on the priorities and personalities uh, of that kind of person. What all of us need to do is to search the scriptures and to apply all of Christ to every area of our life, to not be compartmentalized. And that's a danger we all fall into. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so maybe we could talk for a few minutes. Um, this is a, a vast topic, but maybe in a few minutes kind of share your views on the, the sufficiency uh, of Scripture and maybe address the charge uh, often leveled that many of the issues we're facing today the Bible never anticipated uh, and doesn't really address. We kind of have to forge our own way in some matters. Mm -hmm. Before I answer that question, could I could I make a, a brief statement, what we just talked about, about compartmentalization? No. Please? Okay. <laughs> the reason I say that, and I, we, we want to ground these things in Scripture, and we talked about it in our first inaugural podcast, which we... We no longer we, we no longer speak of that. Okay. Podcast. Okay. But I mentioned at the time uh, the example in Scripture of Jesus and the rich young ruler. Mm -hmm. And this young man comes to Jesus and he says, "You know, teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus tells him the commandments. And the man says, um, "You know, I've done all those things." This is in Mark 10, 17 to 31. And Jesus says, "Okay, good for you. You have one more thing to do: sell all you have and give it to the poor." And this man went away sad because he was very wealthy. Well, what is Jesus doing there? He is saying, okay, you may follow me here, 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 and here, but here is where you are unwilling to follow me. Here is where you are unwilling to walk in faith and repentance. And that is exactly the place you need to. Mm -hmm. And all of us are the rich young ruler. All of us will follow Jesus and and many parts of our life if we're born again spirits in us but there's always those places and those parts where we are resistant and unwilling mm -hmm. and if we are not being shaped by the word of god and and instead of looking in the mirror we will be following an image that looks like us that does all the things we want to do that come easy to us that come naturally and we will ignore the things that are hard so that that's kind of biblical mm -hmm. um, i just wanted to make no that's helpful set yeah. that foundation um, so the question of, okay, we want to be practical. We want to apply Christ all of our life. Uh, the Bible says absolutely nothing about smoking marijuana, you know, because I've looked at my concordance and there's, there's no such word in my Bible. Um, what do you do against those kinds of allegations? A couple things. One, uh, I don't know who said this. But he said something to the effect of, you know, the Bible is authoritative on everything it speaks to, and it speaks to everything. And we need a more comprehensive view of Scripture. And I, ironically, we have a very reduced, narrow uh, view of the Bible. And honestly, people of my generation grew up hearing a lot of bad preaching and proof texting, and it's kind of formed this. But basically, when someone comes up and says, look, I'm trying to study this topic, say, you know, is it okay to smoke marijuana or use medicinal marijuana? It's just an example. 
I looked in the back of my Bible. There's nothing, there's no word from their marijuana. You know, God clearly hasn't spoken on this. Can I, you know, can I just make my decision? I would want to say, okay, you don't really understand how God speaks to these things. The example I uh, am thinking of is how Jesus himself interprets the Old Testament. Um, he interprets a law uh, that says, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads the grain. And he draws a the principle from that, that, you know, the ox as it's plowing the field, we should not muzzle it and we should allow it to eat uh, while it is working, to enjoy some of the fruits of its labor. And he applies that um, to pastors. And so he's taking a principle. There's no word pastor in that part of the law. There's, there's nothing about financial uh, uh, compensation. And yet he's taking the principle and applying it to pastoral ministry. Well, Christians need to learn their Bibles more and, and see the principles are at work and, and learn to apply them to every aspect of their life, mm -hmm. to not look for that one verse that that just seals the deal on every little minute detail of your life, but to have a comprehensive Christian worldview that can handle all of the little questions. So does, is the word marijuana, for example, in the Bible? No. Is there lots in the scripture about, you know, obeying uh, the authorities, and if there's laws in our country against it, we need to respect those things. Are there things about loving our neighbor and not doing something that would promote uh, crime and having responsibility beyond just ourselves? Or is there scripture about not being addicted to not being mastered by anything? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so there's all these things that we can examine that inform our everyday living, even if we don't just find that one particular verse. So to summarize, we need a bigger view of Scripture. We need a better understanding of Scripture, what it is, and how we apply it. Mm -hmm. So what is the, the solution to the kind of faith that just kind of sits behind uh, glass like a museum piece? It's, it's pretty and, and solid, um, but it's not really functional. Um, right. What would you say is a solution to that kind of faith? Well, kind of like what we said about theology, we would first want to say that's not actually faith. Uh, and, and Jesus makes this explicit. And, and you know, James picks up on this as well. Um, Jesus says in, in the parable of, in the story about uh, building your house on the sand or on the rock, his point is actually that you need to not only hear the word of God, but do it. It says in Matthew 7, 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. For years I read that and I just assumed that story was about, you know, build your life on Christ, not on something else, which is true. But he's more specific. He's actually saying to build your life on me, Jesus is saying this, you actually need to do what I tell you. Right. Um, that's what it means to believe. That's what it means to have faith. And, and, there is no definition of faith that is a museum piece. And that faith actually isn't solid. It's like a house that looks sturdy, but it's actually built on sand and it will crumble. So we want to say, look, where Christ is not being obeyed and he is not being um, followed, he is not being believed in. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge thing. You know, we need to, 
destroy this dichotomy between what we what we profess to believe and the way that we live. That's a big aim of this podcast to show people what we believe impacts it and to get people away from you know the dangerous place of thinking I believe something even if my life doesn't reflect that. That's just not a biblical category for belief. You mentioned uh, before, you know, James says faith without works is dead. It's just, it's not that the faith is good, but you need to, you know, work on your works. He just says that's not real faith. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's easy, I think, sometimes in this culture, um, you know, to kind of, to, to maybe even deceive ourselves into the kind of faith that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, when things get difficult, I've got savings in the bank or... Mm-hmm. You know, there's other options to turn to in this kind of culture we live in. That is a real danger for the church mm-hmm. where we can kind of float along without any massive difficulties mm-hmm. for, you know, some time. Mm-hmm. But then when something does come along, uh, it just kind of shatters uh, like a piece of glass because mm-hmm. it, it's not, like you say, built on anything solid. Mm-hmm. Um, in Second Corinthians uh 10 verse 5, Paul indicates that it was his ambition to take every thought captive to obey Christ. How do you see this verse uh, as it relates to practical theology, kind of tying it up? Well, I would say this verse summarizes uh, practical theology and summarizes what our aim is, uh, is to take every aspect of our life our thought life, which leads to our actions, every aspect of our life, and make it obedient to Jesus. Not certain aspects, to certain aspects of Jesus, but all of it. You know, what does Jesus have to do with my studies? What does Jesus have to do with my exercise, with the food that I eat, with my relationship to our neighbors, with the way that I vote, with my sexuality, with my uh, marriage, with, with, um, by everyday work and the daily grind. What does Jesus have to do with any of this? And how do I take every thought captive to be obedience to him? You know, I, I didn't quote it, but really this has to do with a, a bigger understanding of the lordship of Jesus mm-hmm. and, and saying, you know, that Christ is Lord. As Abraham Kuyper, you know, the Dutch master said that, you know, there is not one square inch in all of creation over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Every inch belongs to him. And often we say, you know, here's here's your inch, Jesus. Do with it what you will. And instead we need to say there is no square inch. Uh, but Jesus is not Lord over all. And we need to increasingly live as though that is true. Mm-hmm. And, and the burden of practical theology is to take every inch. Let's look at that inch. Let's look at that inch. How is Christ Lord over that? How do we reflect Jesus in that? And that's a task for me. Mm-hmm. That's my daily That's my daily fight. Um, so this, you know, I'm not standing on the mountaintop pontificating about these things. And I've been thinking for myself, how do I more faithfully follow Jesus mm-hmm. in every aspect of my life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions, the, the formal questions I have uh, for you, Al. Was there anything you wanted to add, anything you wanted to clarify or fall uh, fall back on? 
Or do you think you want to retake that you already said? No, but I uh, I hope this one works. Okay. You know, we've done this one twice. It's really it's going to be really hard to sound sincere if we have to do a third recording. I think. <laughs> the third one, yeah. I will I will feel like a hypocrite if we do a third one. Yes. So here's hoping. Okay, this works. Here's hoping the uh, the technician goes through this time. Um, <laughs> well, we hope you've uh, enjoyed and, and benefited uh, from this first podcast. We're hoping to have one for you each week. Um, addressing various subjects. If you have any comments or, or questions or any subjects you'd like us to address, please feel free to get in touch with either uh, myself or Alex. Uh, that's Ben at thegatheringptbo.ca or Alex at thegatheringptbo.ca. If you want to check us out on our website, uh, our church website, that is thegatheringptbo.ca ptbo.ca, I believe. And uh, there's our sermons posted there. There's a calendar of events and obviously our podcasts. Um, so yeah, we hope you have enjoyed this and hope to see you next week. Bye.